I've got a confession to make because, and you know about this, and if I mentioned it before, but I was having lunch with a guy and I saw a hair on his glasses. Remember that? And I had to straighten that hair. It was just pull it off and it was actually attached to his eyebrow. And so I, I remember stroking it and putting it to bed and just moving on. It was yeah. Lollygagging. You have my permission to promptly pause the podcast program and peruse your dictionary to figure out that word. But we here on the Living Waters podcast are not lollygagging. Hopefully you, our listening audience, are not lollygagging listeners. Easy. Lolly in New Zealand, Australia, and England. Candy. Candy. So loggy gagging is like choking to <laughs> choking death. Choking on candy. Candy. So we're not doing that. Don't take us back to the gutter snipe <laughs> thing. We don't want, we don't want people to learn about the gutter snipe. Are you going to explain that stuff. or what? Yeah. Yeah, I will explain that, actually. Uh, gutter snipe. Years ago, Ray Comfort insisted that gutter snipe uh, meant that uh, this, that it's like Have you heard the phrase? Have you ever heard it before? Of course I, I had. It, oh, I've it. never heard it before. It's a down under, and it's it probably an English thing, too. It's a down under in English. Do, have you ever heard it? I don't think it's I It's an insult. It you got a snipe. Yes. What did you say to me? <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> it's as low as you can get. I you called know? you that last week, right? Yeah. I got a snipe, Daddy Rota. Yeah, so Ray Comfort uh, emphatically knew what that meant. Etymology. <laughs> well, yeah, back in World War II, you know, they'd be snipers in the gutter, and they'd be sniping, yeah, yeah, gutter snipe. <laughs> is Turns that out real? To be what, is? Ray? A, a bird. A bird. <laughs> 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 you should have seen when he was talking to Kirk and me how emphatic he was. Oh, no, no, it's got to be that, yeah, for sure. <laughs> gutter snipe. <laughs> oh, man. Well, welcome, friends, to the Living Waters podcast. We we are kind of lollygagging. <laughs> I don't know. Today. I'll still let you look that up, friend. I'm, I'm in deep thought looking over my notes. Yeah. yeah. Mark and, and uh, Oscar come prepared. Ray and I are, we are spirit-filled men. Uh, we don't need to do that kind of thing. But yeah, uh, today, um, <laughs> what is that, Mark? Space Invaders? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Mark's playing a video game. Uh, yeah, on the Living Waters uh, podcast today, we are, uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about some fun stuff. Uh Let's see here. We've got uh, this article from Wired.co.uk by Andrew Kersley. Kersley. It really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Somewhere in there, Andrew's like, you said my name wrong. How dare you? Kersley. Then he'll curse me. Uh, the slow collapse of Amazon's drone delivery dream. Wow, they should have said the crash. I was gonna have say. you ever <laughs> flown a drone? It doesn't surprise me that they're not working out because those things are impossible to keep in the air. Oh, only if you're um, over, over like ten. <laughs> oh, the cheap ones where you've got to do that. Yeah, I had a really nice one, and when Kelly and I went to Greece, uh, our hotel was like right by the what's it called? Water? Yeah, no, nope. <laughs> Acrop- Acropolis. And I flew it up and got this incredible aerial shot of it, like at sunset. And then I come down to land it, and it just topples over and basically explodes. <laughs> and the last thing that the video got is Kelly laughing at me. She's like in tears. I remember seeing that. I think. I think I might have showed you. I saw online. Oh, I always check. I did see that. Yeah, I, I check and see five stars, and I go to one star, and I kept finding other drone. One star said I. Flew it really well. It went up there over the trees, and I've never seen it. <laughs> and that's because the manufacturers uh, programmed it to come back home. They're sending the same one. That's right. Time, I guess. <laughs> you know, um, I'll tell you though. I am fascinated by drones. I remember mm-hmm. Mark once at our church. Someone was filming with one. I could not believe how high it went. First of all, and how steady. And once you take your finger off the button, it just stays there. It stays. Hunters. Yeah. It's absolutely amazing. Yeah, I think mine went up to two miles up. What? Uh, and it was like four or five miles away, but I mean, yeah. I still destroyed it. Yeah. Good job, Austin. Hey, uh, where's the name drone come from, and why do they call it a drone? Is it the uh, noise? It's, it's a German name. I just checked their etymology. <laughs> Actually, it's lying in the gutter. Yeah. <laughs> it comes from there. Is it the noise? Is it a drone oh. noise? I don't know. Oh, That's no. actually a good question, right? Mm. No. Yeah. Frederick Drone Etymology. is the creator of the podcast. I got nothing. I got nothing. So, okay, so Amazon, and friends, we're going to somehow tie this into the gospel, so don't worry. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to bring this full circle. Uh, someone who preaches boringly drones, I think. <laughs> Ray, has, Ray will not quit on the drone. Um, but we're going to, yeah, we're going to get around to it. Uh, but 
Yeah, so let me just say this. So, so this whole thing's about Amazon, the drone, the UK. They're testing this thing out, and it's just, it doesn't seem to be going anywhere. In fact, I love, I love what it says here. This is, they, this is speaking about the employees, of course, under the condition of anonymity. That's a word you got to figure out, right? Uh, they told Wired about increasing problems within Prime Air in recent years, including managers being appointed who knew so little about the project they couldn't answer basic work questions. An employee drinking beer at their desk in the morning <laughs> and some staff being forced to train their replacements in Costa Rica. Wow. Amazon says it still has staff working for Prime Air in the UK, but has refused to confirm headcount. No, I, I found it really disappointing because I really wanted it to happen. I want to see a drone come around home and drop my package to me. Amazing. But I guess the ideal is there, but it just didn't come to fruition. Did you see? Did you guys ever see any videos? I've seen some videos of it. I've seen it. Like, oh, they, they uh, medical stuff. Yeah. You know, if someone's got a thumping heart that need, they need in a couple of hours from somebody who donates. I know that there are nonprofits that use drones in rural areas in Africa to drop off medical supplies. That's right. In Hardware, which that, I know that's actually successful. That yeah. works really well. well we're thinking of getting different. one for Living Waters to collect donations. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> but how do you keep, how do you keep little Dennis the Menace kids in the neighborhood right, totally. from swinging at that thing with a bat or a golf club or whatever. I mean, that's immediately what comes to my diabolical well, you know Mark mind. Would do it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> with a BB gun. Mark, yeah, I was yeah, going to say, Mark would shoot it with something. Um, I just got to say, this is, I'm, I'm going to get there, but Sue and I have uh, printed out all the countries around the world, as I mentioned to you, easy, 190 something countries. And each night we go on YouTube and I just say, travel, and then the name of the country, and watch, we watch two videos on that particular country. We're going around the whole world, but drones have lifted those travel oh. things incredibly. Oh, really? It's just got some guy on a beach, he's just simple up, and suddenly a drone shot yeah. just the whole area in the village behind, zooming down to the trees, Seriously. and it's lifted the quality of, of those videos. Have you seen those drone races that they do now? No. Oh, yeah. They oh, set up racetracks oh, yeah, yeah. in the air, and they race each other. It's the coolest looking thing. Yeah, that's great. I have no idea, because the, the speed is, it's like a hummingbird, yeah. you know, and I don't know how they keep them from... Yeah, hitting each other. We could deliver tracks to people's homes with drones. No, a drone track. Drop tracks. A full, a full, a full tract. That's a drone. <laughs> <laughs> that would be cost effective. Where was it? it? There was some place that I visited where they created um, gospel tracks printed onto balloons, mm. and they would lift them off from South Korea, and with the wind, right oh, wind current, they'd idea. go over in the North Korea, and then the balloons oh, pop and they come well, down. Well, they probably shot them down. They probably <laughs> shot them down. That's why there's no dolphins over there, but a lot of people have the tracks. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, drones, you're, you're so right. I mean, you think back, back in the day when you didn't have that, you'd have to get a helicopter. You think of the expense of that, going around trying to film really? things. But these things, they go everywhere. They're, they're, and, and the quality, too, is really amazing. But this is, yeah, this, you know what this reminds me of, though, that this thing flopping? You guys remember Google Glass? Oh, what a hitter. <laughs> Didn't no you one, get one of those? Yes, Ray no one, one realized what the problem was. Those. <laughs> They're a really good idea until someone comes into wearing one of those things. You think, hey, I'm on the Internet. Don't you broadcast me without my permission. So right. But let, let me tell you guys what that did for me in my brain. I'm thinking, you got these companies, Google, right? Now we're talking about Amazon. Multi-billion dollar companies with massive brains working at these things and and uh, what do they call it? Uh, research, Google the research X. they do. Um, you know, how in the world did no one think that this is going to make people uncomfortable? It's going to flop. Yeah, they put they so much money it. in it. Yeah, but they're they're doing it again because Apple has Apple classes. They're coming out with now. That's but where like you can actually thing. film from them. I don't know. It's augmented reality, so I don't know if they have an actual camera that can film. Hmm. No, but there is augmented reality. So, Mark, these employees are saying they're drinking beer in the morning at their desks. That, that, I know yeah. you've been tempted to do that here at Living Waters with all the stress. <laughs> yeah, well, it definitely has to be a European um, oh, yeah. country or one of my brothers, right? It's, it's the only way that's going to... You know, the last time I ordered a beer, I was 21 years old uh, because I turned 21. I'm 49 now. And I remember just kind of having it touch the top of my lips, and I felt just sick to my yeah. stomach. And how does somebody now do this at 7 a.m. with some bacon and eggs as they oh. go through... Whatever and it's, oh, you have a cigarette out. to kill your taste. <laughs> <laughs> that makes it all better. Uh, or a joint now here in California. So yeah, people right. don't realize that, but when you take up smoking, it kills your taste buds. They all 
to sink down and say, I don't want this. So you lose your sense of taste. So you can eat and drink things. I used that to smoke cool. a pack and a half a day. Did you Why really? didn't you try cigarettes? It's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm in a whole pack? Yes. Pack and a half a day. Really? You should do it one at a time. I was pretty. I, I was almost becoming like a chain smoker. In fact, it got so bad. A few times I opened my bedroom window at night and I'd smoke and blow it out the window so my, my mom couldn't smell so that's it. That's what caused LA smog. The only way I got away with it, it at home was I worked at a restaurant and I told my mom... <laughs> That was people. Back then, people used to be able to smoke in restaurants in California. I remember that. Do you remember that, Ray? I remember being on planes where the smoking section was down the back. (laughs) All the smoke really understood that. (laughs) Stop right here, smoke. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that's funny. But, uh, but, you know, technology, I mean, there's so many ways we can can go in this this discussion on this topic. But, you know, technology is... uh, it's absolutely amazing. I was talking with Daniel this morning about people that have the ability to do certain things. Like, That's my son. One of my sons. Yeah, right. Daniel Comfort. Your favorite son? <clears throat> yeah. I cut it. It's trying to start wars. Tesla. It was, I was talking about Tesla. I was watching a video on Tesla. Nikolai Tesla. I mean, the guy yep. that the car was named after. He was a genius that did the ACDC thing with electricity. He was in the band? Yeah, you know. He, he started <laughs> so they're the having carless drivers. What? Tesla, carless driver. <laughs> someone who I read an article this morning that Apple's working on a carless driver. Carless driver or yeah. driverless car? A carless car. driver. A driverless car. <laughs> oh, boy. Cordless car. Got you. A car with no driver. Mm. Phoneless cord. Oh, no, you did the phoneless cord. That's right, a phoneless <laughs> the cord. phoneless cord up in your office. Cordless phone. But, uh, but, no, I was just reading about him, and it said, like, when he was, from the time he was a little boy, he was able to envision in his head different types of inventions without even needing to draw them or every component, every part of them just Crazy. fully there, wow. you know? And you think of... Uh, was of he God's, married? <laughs> probably not. <laughs> That's how he could do that. But uh, you just think of God gifting people like Oholiab yeah. in the Bible, you know, gifted with, with the ability to work with, with metal and, and, and different things and crafts and craftsmanship and, and just how the Lord does that and gives people these abilities. Mm-hmm. It's just amazing, you know? And... Um, and then others that, and and then you'll get someone brilliant like Einstein, but who's a totally he's like a social misfit. He was yeah. not very socially. Can tie his shoes. Yeah. So you know it's interesting because um, technology is uh, an incredible blessing to us. Uh, and to your point, when we create, uh, we are acting in the way that our creator did. He created ex nihilo from nothing. But when we create, we are doing something honorable to God by uh, by being an image bearer. You know, our father is a creator, and so then we start creating. Uh, but the interesting thing is, is that so much technology that was designed for good in the hands of man does so much harm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, even the internet. Like, the internet is a tremendous blessing. And a, and, and a ravaging curse to us all. Wow. Like dynamite, just, great invention. Dynamite. What's that? Dynamite. Dynamite. Powder, you know. Yeah, yeah. Kill people. Mark, isn't it weird to you that there are kids that don't understand what life is like without the internet? I mean, we're old enough to remember what, I think we were pastoring together when it really kind of kicked in and we got email addresses and we're like. Yeah, I mean, consider the fact that if anybody has a child today, they will not know what it's like uh, to not have the internet. I think our daughters are right along that same lines. They, yeah. they have no clue. I remember when the compact disc uh, came out hmm. and thinking, man, my grandma never saw this, even the compact <laughs> disc. And look where we're, where we're at today with knowledge doubling every two to four years. Wow. Uh, what is the future going to hold? Yeah. I have a like, question for you. What was it like to go to work in a horse and carriage? <laughs> Ray, answer the question. <laughs> I tell you what, I'm thinking about dial-up. That sends oh, me yeah. into a, a broken sweat just waiting for that to kick in. Well, yeah. Ray's greatest joy, I mean, when Ray thought he was super, like, technologically advanced, <laughs> was when our ministry had an 800 number and he was stopping at a payphone and not and recording it. it. And, no, but Oscar, he'd go like, He'd be walking with someone else, so he'd go, watch this. And he'd walk in and just dial up. Yeah, but you don't explain it. That was 1853. <laughs> <laughs> with the, uh, yeah. But no, but remember, Ray? I, Ray, by the way, who, who told you to get a cell phone? You did? Yeah. Best thing ever. Now you can't <laughs> oh, get it out of his yeah, hand. It's my pacemaker. I saw a video of these kids being handed a rotary phone. Oh, yes. Saying, uh, call your mom. They didn't know how to do it? And they had no idea what to do with it. Like, you turn this little thing? How, how does this work? And it's so funny. Wow. And things are crazy. if you didn't get 
to answer the phone, you didn't know who it was throughout the whole of eternity. If the person hung up before you picked up. Oh, yeah. Remember how amazing Caller ID was? Oh, yes. I remember when Caller ID came out and you could see who was calling you. And I used to think, think, there's no way. I remember when I first heard about it, I remember distinctly thinking, there's no way. That's like, that's violating people's privacy that they know who you are calling them. And then I thought, how am I going to crank call people anymore, you know? (laughs) And someone uh, that answered the phone and said, hi, Ray. And I go, like, 20 seconds silence. Like, (laughs) what? How, 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 did you know? how did you know? Yeah, I right. was explaining to the kids the other day about 411 because my mom used to work as a 411 oh. operator. Oh, really? Which is like nowadays, it's like if you want the pizza shop's phone number, I told them back then you had to dial 411, be like, hi, I need the pizza shop off 17th and 5th. What's the phone number? Can you connect me to your thanks a lot? Now you just Google it and it's done. Oh, yeah. And I remember when people started talking to themselves. <laughs> When I was a kid, if someone was taught themselves walking down the street, they were just insane. Everyone would talk about it. So look at that person. Wow. But now everyone's yap, yap, and we take it for granted. The guy's walking yeah. down the street yeah. talking in his car. We love to give things away. We love to give things away. And that's why we will do that every single day here on the Living Waters Podcast. That's right, friends. We're giving away goodies for those of you who go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast and fill out the form. We are giving 10, believe it or not, 10 different people each week goodies from Living Waters, $100 value for each box. You'll get tracts and books and a podcast mug and all kinds of good things. So make sure to participate at livingwaters.com forward slash podcast. And make sure to listen to the very end of the podcast where you will hear the announcement of the winners every week. Yeah, no, I was talking to one of my kids too about that because I said, hey, what's the 411 on that? And then it clicked on me. I'm like, do you know what 411 is? They're like, huh, what? I said, yeah, we used to have to do this, you know? And Yeah. and uh, Or the Thomas Guide. Oh, oh nice. Do you have a Thomas Guide? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. When I first came over here, I'd go to MacArthur Park, which is like 20 or 30 miles, little Kiwi on the freeways looking at Thomas Guide <laughs> was just a nightmare. <laughs> That's why older people are so good at text messaging, because we had Thomas Guides and CDs back then. Well, so the thing is, we you're can... following a road, and it says, turn to page 83, and you're like in 21. That's right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about, you know, when... We yeah we would have to get directions for places and then go here and you'd write them down and you'd, you'd try to follow more. even like this morning I was driving in with and Kylie was with me and we were talking about Disneyland and when it started and I go oh hey Siri yeah and right there, I mean I'm driving and, and it, it it gave it to me even in our office we just renovated and I was walking around and now you have to have places lights that just go on automatically when you walk in and it was just like I felt powerful <laughs> you walk in. <around, laughs> Wherever you walk, the lights just turn yeah. on, you know. Our local car wash is like that. <laughs> what? Local car wash. So when I go there for our thrills, we lift our hands up and all the lights come on as we go through the car wash. It's quite amazing. <laughs> Ray doesn't get out much. <laughs> Easy, I'm just curious if you're going to segue any of this to the gospel. No, oh, I gave him. I gave him. Ray, Ray will do it. Earlier. Okay, when you go through a car wash, it's very similar to being regenerated by the word. <laughs> Washed by the water of the word. Yeah, so uh, anyway, technology, all this good stuff. Now let's talk about the gospel. So, Ray. um, (laughs) (laughs) Haven't thought about it yet. Haven't thought about it yet. Um, No, Ray, you know, let's let's talk about um, how in light of what we're discussing, obviously we're talking about technology and a modern world and how it's changed. I mean, you know, you think back to the day when, like, People were thrilled to read because reading was a form of entertainment. You say reading to kids now, it's like, what are you talking about? Mm. So we want to talk about how, Ray, do we best deliver the gospel in contemporary America, in the day and age in which we're living, where kids have their eyes glued to their phones, where uh, there's so much media at every turn. They could sit on YouTube literally for the rest of their lives, never run out of videos, One watch one after the other. Uh, kids are walking around nowadays with two, well, sewage pipes, basically, <laughs> on either side of their heads with just filth going in. Ray, how do, how do we do it? Has the gospel changed? Is there, do we use new tactics? Yeah, I, I, when I see teenagers with those things, I slap their face. <laughs> <laughs> A kick would work, too. Very frustrating. I have said to so many people, excuse me. And they just walk by because they're in another world. Their eyes mm. are just focused on what they're listening to. So it is a very frustrating. Time. They're listening to this podcast. 
Yeah, that must yeah. be that. But there is the blessing on the side. You said there are like millions just glued to YouTube. Yeah. Well, we have a YouTube channel with 170 million views. So mm. that thrills my heart. It's a sense of continual encouragement. Like you and I call each other up and say, look, how many are watching this video? And yeah. it's just so exciting because uh, there is that sense of frustration. You've got the, the pandemic where people are standoffish. You've got the things in the ears. I've got almost used to rejection. I on Every Saturday I go to Huntington Beach and I'm turned down, rejected by between 40 and 60 people within an hour wow. of people wanting to come on. And would you come on camera? Would you? Nope, nope. Most people are pretty polite there. Mm. Some are rude, but I've almost got used to rejection. It's, uh, it's, a, it's an amazing time to be alive. <laughs> Mark, remember my, my saying from years ago, rejection collection? That's right. Uh, which means that, you know, if you're going to go out and try to share the gospel with someone, the more people... It's a law of averages, right? Yeah. The more people you talk to, the closer you're getting. If one out of every 10 will listen to you, you're getting closer to the person who's going to listen. So it's like, oh, great. Next one, next one. Yep. And then you hit it. You know? Well, it brings me to a point where I just say, oh, God, you've got to help me. Yeah. You've got to bring someone. <laughs> and I, almost every Saturday, suddenly there's something happens, like a very, very interesting interview will come along and it makes it worth the rejection. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy because it only takes one, one great conversation. Yes. If I get rejected by 20, 30 people and have one yeah. conversation where I feel like the gospel was heard they were actually listening and we had a conversation it just feels so rewarding one out of 20 is all it takes and you never get tired when someone's listening i remember i'd open air preach to a point i just felt like collapsing with exhaustion and someone would come up with a sincere heart say what do you mean by being born again and i'd just mm. go wow. like i'd feel this just the enthusiasm you, you serious yeah and i would have come back but right just to think you know you just witnessed to your neighbor, Mandeep, that you've been praying for an opportunity with for a long time. But you just stood there and witnessed to her outside in, in her driveway. And almost 100,000 people have watched that. Like, I, I mean, I have to admit, I've grown a bit desensitized to the numbers because we see yes. them all the time. But you've got to step back. 100,000. You're like, imagine if you told, yeah, you know, 100,000 people are going to listen to this. Like. What do you mean? Yeah. Well, we've got to build up a little bit to say who Mundeep is. Oh, Easy. yes. Um, uh, I'm Actually, in a, she sat, was it, oh, no, in the boardroom. I thought it was in the, our yeah, studio, but yeah. 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 She, Mundeep is an amazing lady. What, it be 15 years ago? Oh, more, 20 maybe. 20 years. She, um, she's one of my neighbors, Indian family, lovely people. Uh, she stayed with her parents, and I got to know her. She's had a huge afro. First time I met her, she came across to our house, and I've never in my life heard such bad language from, even from a guy. Yeah. It was just yeah. absolutely ear tingling, hair raising, and <laughs> almost like almost like she thought everyone cussed with each other in, in normal conversation. It was like yeah, like there was no shock, like oh excuse yeah. me, no, it was just like this is it. And anyway, I invited her around the ministry, and we had dinner with her, or lunch with her, with about a dozen of us. Yeah. And she talked for 40, 50 minutes, and none of us got a word in. <laughs> uh, but she's incredibly fascinating and very. articulate. And she was involved in very television. Very intelligent. In yeah, very intelligent, one of us. And anyway, I, I prayed. One of me. Next time I see Mundeep, I really want to witness to her. Ask God for that. Yeah. I saw her, and actually I didn't see her. She heard me. She saw me, and she called out, Ray, Ray. <laughs> and I didn't hear her at first, and then I went across, and we had a great conversation, and she has mellowed over the years. I mm. think a 15-minute conversation on camera, she didn't use any bad language, and yeah. she was very respectful and very open to the gospel. So and that's Mandeep. Yeah, she was a television personality in India. She did oh, a really? lot of big, big yeah, programs. Big wig. And, yeah. And, uh, but, but, yeah, but just the thought of that. Mark, you did a video, uh, uh, the Kanye West video, I think. And... That's gotten like 400, almost 500,000 views or something. Yeah, you know, it's funny because we're always looking for a good title, a good thumbnail, good description, and things we think are going to be a home run, they can just kind of fizzle out. And what do we call fizzling out? That only got 20,000 views, (laughs) 30,000 views. And then there's things we go, well, that's not going to do very well. And then you turn around and had like 200,000 views, and we're thinking, what in the world happened? And so we must always remember that God is calling us to be faithful. Yeah. Be faithful with the message and leave the results to God. And don't get caught up with the likes, with oh, the testimonies, sure. with everything that's kind of associated with it. Know your calling, stay within your lane and move forward. Yeah. Yeah, talking about all of those likes and views can make 
your average everyday, whether it's, you know, a house mom or a guy with a, a nine to five job or attorney feel like, man, how could I ever reach 200,000 people? But the thing is, we're not all called to that. Yeah. We're called to be faithful mm. with what God has given us. And if that means your pay- place of business, if that means your neighborhood, is that if that means the people you grew up with, your family members, you don't have to reach 100,000 to be faithful. Yeah. Uh, reach whoever the Lord has put in your life. Mm. That's, that's what God has called you to do, be faithful with that. Now, one thing um, I've thought of, I don't know if we mentioned it before, but people are very welcome to go to our tracks portion on our livingwaters.com and cut and paste the gospel presentation. Any of them, they can just grab from the million dollar bill and just paste them all over the internet. So yeah. you don't have to even type anything out. You just have to cut and paste. Mm. And it has a gospel proclamation that you can use on any site that you can leave comments. And then you might engage someone. You might get someone to say, well, tell me, how can I get right with God? Yeah. And if someone abuses you, just rejoice and show them love. But that can be a, a, an effective way to reach out when you're a, a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home dad. Speaking of which, what is your favorite gospel track right now, Ray? Oh, it's the uh, How to Be Free from the Fear of Death little booklet. Um, is that because of COVID and the depression? Yeah, I, I think so. It's made people open. And, and the first time I gave one away, was at a gas pump. And I was hesitant. I thought, what's the person going to react to this? You know, he'll be free from the fear of death. That's very strange. That's talking about something people don't normally talk about. But I've never had one rejection of that. And I've given it, like, to two people. Hmm. So oh, I noticed, it was a joke. That's great. Thank you. <laughs> I noticed that you, you often ask people when you're done sharing the gospel with them if they ever get suicidal thoughts or are they depressed. And I'm actually really surprised how many people say yes. Are you surprised? Are you surprised how many people are depressed or contemplate suicide, even within the collegiate system? I used to be. Not anymore? Not anymore. It's like one in four. It's, it's up yeah, there. I think it's got even more. And, uh, and the thing is, what I find interesting is when I ask people that, it's like, how did you know? Like yeah, it was something special. I know because of the climate. People are very mm. depressed. And you add, I mean, life is horrific, but death is worse. So if you yeah. contemplate about your mortality, it just brings a, a shadow of heaviness upon you. And that's what's happening to so many people because COVID has brought it to the front. I was talking to Daniel again this morning about a Daniel Comfort, um, about suicide and, and just the tragedy of it. And I think, you know, there's the power of suggestion. There's the power of example. I was telling him when I was a kid, like I talked about in our exit movie, my uncle, who I was named after, shot himself in the head, committed suicide. And so whenever I was a kid and I was depressed, I would think on that mm. and, and almost like an example to me. And how many mm. kids that age have that kind of tragedy in their lives or used to see what they see now on the internet constant? I mean, there was a big show about suicide, wasn't it? It was a real controversial. Yeah. Oh yeah, the documentary yeah. on Netflix, yeah. And so Ray, do you think that it's because it's talked about so much more that people are thinking more about that or what? what? I think so, but the world's got no answer. Every time some celebrity, nice-looking teenage kid, 32 just the other night somewhere, killed himself, they don't even deal with it. They don't say why, it's just that he took his life. And then call this, this number, if, you know. And uh, we as Christians have got the answer. We can say, hey, death loses its sting when you come to Christ. You've got hope in your death. It's not a, a hopelessness. So mm-hmm. uh, Christians need to step up to the plate. I'm not simplifying the issue, and it's very complex because there are people that get chronic depression and there's no treatment for them. Mm. But, um, and they can become Christians and still find they've got chronic depression. I think there's a lot of things at play. Uh, I think you alluded to one of them, which is we are a copycat culture. Um, there was a study done a long time ago that showed that if somebody, if there was a suicide in a small town, this actually happened, they found a town where there was not one history of suicide. And then uh, a high school kid committed suicide in that town. And like in the next 18 months, there was like three or four that followed him. And then that created kind of repetitious effect. And so we are a copycat culture, whether it's uh, suicide or gun violence or whatever it might be that we've seen out there. If they know it's possible, then it becomes probable in their minds. Especially in teenage years when you're still trying to find yourself. I know I was influenced by my surfing elite, what they wore. I wanted to wear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What they did, I wanted to do. I don't know why. When I became a Christian, I was set free from the silliness of it. Oh. But uh, we are copycat. I remember Daniel Comfort. <laughs> Daniel, <laughs> we need to bring like, Daniel in here. I know. Yeah, come He's on. like the star of the show today. Well, when he here. had about 22 years old, I saw him wearing some 
plain old sneakers. And I said, what are you getting those for? He says, oh, I've gone off Nike and all that stuff. I don't care. And I thought, he's grown up. Wow. <laughs> you know, it's just when you, when you realize that your peers shouldn't influence, you're an yeah. individual, that's when you grow up. And when, you, when you're a teenager, you're not growing up. You, I mean, you're just growing up, so you haven't got that together. And so you're influenced by your peers. That's why I think, Daniel stole my Nike shoes. That's right. <laughs> He's making up for lost time. Uh, I think one of the other things too, though, is that is is we it, the Western culture it pushes hyper individualism, and hyper individualism is this idea that uh, your identity, your worth, and your value is determined by you and you alone. And so there's this deassociation with everything significant, where in the past, if you weren't religious, at least you saw yourself as a part of a nation. You had national pride. Uh, or you were religious and you had a faith that you saw yourself as a part of an identity in. Or you had major identity within your own family. And so those things prevent people from, from looking always within and thinking always about themselves. If you talk to somebody who has been suicidal before, oftentimes they'll tell you the thing that stopped them was their, their role they played as a family member, the role they played in their community. And so when somebody is told their entire lives, you are your own person, don't identify yourself with anything greater than you, you are the most important thing in the world, go and do you, they have nothing to fall back on. Yeah. They have hopelessness ultimately because there's nothing, the only way that we can find value is not by looking within ourselves, by, but by looking outside of ourselves, mm. chiefly to our creator because our creator is the one that assigns value and worth. Yeah. And so the happiest people are those that have learned that it's more blessed to give than receive, not just money, but give right. of yourself to others. That's the happiest people, most content. Yeah. And and that's, love, that's what you find as a Christian. When you give yourself to evangelism, you're trying to give people the greatest gift they could ever want. Yeah. So that gives you a sense of purpose. And I love what you said earlier. That doesn't mean that Christians don't struggle with depression, that doesn't struggle with anxiety, but it gives you a foundation of hope that you can rest on when all else fails. Right. You know, we're telling people that there's no meaning to life. You know, 45 million babies died worldwide last year inside the womb. 61 million since Roe v. Wade was legal in 1973. Mm -hmm. As long as we're killing babies in the womb, well, then we can, as was argued two years ago before Congress, let's kill babies after the womb up to 29 days. All right, that's Peter Singer's uh, position. Well, of course, if we're going to kill them young, why can't we kill them older? And if we're going to kill them older with through euthanasia or any other means, why not kill them at any stage? I received a text just this morning from a friend who said that his friend committed suicide, right? So this is an epidemic that is happening all across the world. We have to remember, we have an identity complex issue that is going on where people are redefining who they are, what they are. We are created in the image of God with purpose because we have intrinsic value. And if we return back to that mantra and that idea and that thought with a biblical foundation, well, then we can begin to speak in, inside people's lives. I think the future of my apologetic is discussing Imago Dei, creating the image of God and transhumanism, you know, what the future has in, in the midst of this, which goes in line with what we're talking about with this alternate reality and virtual reality. Which has got a lot to do with drones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I taught a message recently on Hebrews uh, 3.13, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. And I, I, you were talking a little bit ago, Oscar, about community and how hugely important that is, you know? And man, sin is deceitful. It yeah. hardens. But, but sin is deceitful, I think, in its most prominent form in making us think that what we're indulging in is not sin. So in other words, uh, it can seem like we're, we're just, we're, we're down and we're miserable and we're depressed and we're, you know, and again, like Ray said, there are real conditions that do exist and it's hard to find the true root to them. But a lot of that can be rooted in sin. It can be rooted in trying to be the God of our own lives and even making happiness our God and wanting our own autonomy and sovereignty so that everything goes the way we want it to go. And so if it's not, then, you know, but seeing it, that that's sin and we're hardened by it, it's deceitful. And that's where that, the importance of exhorting one another comes in, mm -hmm. you know, and Ray, I'm, you know, I'm writing a book right now on, on sexual purity for men. And I'm talking about 
the flesh and how the flesh plays a role in uh, luring us in that direction. I'm talking about you know, the, the world, the, the devil, and the flesh. And in the flesh part, I'm talking about how what it says in Galatians 5, Paul says, I, I say then, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh, right? The, lust, the flesh lusting against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary to one another so that you not, do not do that which you wish. And so how do you overcome the flesh? You walk in the spirit. What's it mean to walk in the spirit? means to be controlled or to be governed by the Spirit. Well, how does that happen? One of the greatest ways is to involve yourself in the things that God's Spirit is involved in. And in Scripture, we can see four main things that, that stick out in that regard. One is prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Spirit intercedes for us with groans too deep to utter and pray in the Spirit. The other one is the Word. The Word is called the sword of the Spirit. Uh, another one is uh, evangelism, which it tells us in Acts, and when the Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses. And so, uh, Ray. There were four things. I can't remember. I knew. I thought a brave man <laughs> says there are four reasons. Yeah. I thought, I you're was, not going to get there. I was going to go evangelism last. I'm like, why would it? Now, Wait, didn't it happen word? to the governor of uh, Texas? He said there are three reasons for this, and he lost the prayer. Yeah, oh, fellowship. <laughs> fellowship. Fellowship. The word talks about fellowship in this course. So the word prayer, fellowship, and evangelism. Um, so, yeah, evangelizing uh, and proclaiming the gospel, that's a part of walking. In the, when the Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses. And, and you know, Ray, when you're, when you're sharing the gospel with people, you're connected to all the realities of the gospel. Hmm. And you're, you're, you're watching God work in people's lives through the gospel. I mean, don't you see that as, as that's one of the greatest ways to keep us from fulfilling the lust of the flesh? Absolutely. And I've just received an important text from someone that says this. The Institute of Unfinished Research has conduct, uh, concluded that six out of ten people. <laughs> Was that Ken Ham? No, no. Oh, that's surprising. Bart McCurdy. He's always sending me silly little <laughs> things like that. That's good. <clears throat> yeah, so, yeah, whatever you said, absolute evangelism <laughs> as a means of. Uh, I love that. Of, yeah, not fulfilling the lust of the flesh because you're walking in the spirit. Oh, absolutely. The spirit's involved in evangelism. Yeah, when you're rowing the boat, you know, you, you just can't mess, you're not messing around. You're going in a certain direction. So, yeah, keep yourself busy thinking about the lost and being concerned for them. And uh, that's so true. It keeps the mind busy. And before I go out witnessing, I'm always praying. Mm. Recently, I've um, tried to get a grip of that scripture, pray without ceasing. Right. And never cease without praying. I don't know what that means, but it's interesting. But yeah, pray without ceasing. And uh, so I try and pray when I'm in my car, when I'm going to get on my bike, I actually talk to my dog and then just go straight into prayer before we go out on the bike. To, to I say, Sam, we're going out on the bike. What do you think of that? Here's your sunglasses. You're wearing them. You have to wear them. You're looking for dogs. I'm looking for people. Here's my sunglasses on. They get, okay, let's go and pray that God brings someone to us. And I'm just talking to the Lord, talking to my dog and... and uh, because I really want to get a grip of that pray without ceasing. It's a yeah. continual relationship. And that keeps your mind busy and keeps you focused on the fact that the eye of the Lord is in every place, beholding evil and the good. He hears everything, sees everything. Mm-hmm. And that keeps you walking in the fear of the Lord. Yeah. Guys, prayer prayer and evangelism. What, what, what do you say about that? Uh, I always think about it as, as if evangelism is like a grace, gr- glacier. The witnessing is the top 10% you can see, and the prayer is the bottom 90%. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you guys know the story. Uh, when I was when I was an, a, a young atheist, uh, for a very short season in high school, I lived with my grandma, and I slept on her. She had a one-bedroom condo, and I slept on her couch. And any night on a Friday night when I was leaving to go hang out with my friends, I'd walk by her bedroom because it was on the way out, and she'd be um, old-school style on her knees, with her elbows on her bed praying and praying in Spanish and she'd be bawling, crying her eyes out and I can hear her, she was praying for me. Wow. She was praying that I would be safe, that I would make good decisions. That, um, and I would listen to her and think to myself, what a waste of time. Like, what a waste of time. That just seems so burdensome for you. Like, I'm fine, you know, and I'd leave and I'd come home that night, later that night or I'd come home the next day or whatever it may be Years later, when I became a Christian, um, those prayers stood out to me. My grandma was an evangelist on her knees. Mm -hmm. She spent nights praying for me. Still alive? She's still alive. She lives with me now. So have you you told her how much those prayers meant? (laughs) Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, when when I got saved, 100%. And so, you know, there are people that witnessed to me. There are people who debated with me. There are people who shared books with me. 
Um, but nobody prayed as much as my grandma did. And so she was that 80 or 90% that was below the water that nobody noticed. And so I think prayer does a couple things. One, it is invoking God's power and his Holy Spirit. It's in inviting him and asking him to move in the lives of the people around you. But prayer does another thing too. It softens your heart. Mm. It prepares you. It gives you a desire to reach the lost yourself. Mm. It gets you out of your own mindset out of thinking of yourself, and it gets you to start thinking of other people as well. Alfred Lord Tennyson said, uh, more things are wrought by prayer than this world dreams of. Mm. And we have an incredible power that we can get into that we don't really understand, but we've got to take advantage of it. Because all things, uh, whatever you ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. It's also no. a humble re- reminder that it's not about you. Yes. Right? That I, I, when I evangelize, if someone gets saved, I'm not like, I led him to the Lord. I did this. I did that. Mm-hmm. No, it was the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Without God moving, I can't make someone be born again. And so it takes the weight off of me in many ways, and it gets my focus on God doing his thing. You know, is there a greater spiritual battle that you'll experience than when you go through evangelism, when there's a war for somebody's soul, Mm -hmm. right? Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and spiritual forces of darkness. That's what Ephesians 6 tells us. We start talking about and thinking about what are some practical things uh, to pray for when you go out evangelizing. I came across uh, four things that I found on the internet, actually, through Matt Slick. And he said, let's let's pray for compassion for the lost, Mm -hmm. These aren't just people. These are souls who will exist somewhere. Uh, next, pray for boldness. Uh, pray to the Lord to bind Satan and his angels, he says. And pray for your needs as you go out and about, as you, as you go and share with different people. Every week I put in a prayer request here at the ministry, and I say pray that God gives me creative ways to reach the lost, boldness to approach the lost, and wisdom on what to say when you're engaged in conversation. Um, it's, it's a given. It's not if you pray, but when you pray, right? Remember when Jesus came down from the Mount of Transfiguration and there was this person who was demon-possessed and the disciples are saying, hey, what's going on? We, can, we can't cast out the demons. And Jesus says, well, this kind only goes out, comes out through prayer and fasting. He was not saying, hey, go and pray and go and fast and then come back. No, it was understood that you were already prayed up. You were already fasted up. Even so with evangelism, that we go out into the highways, the byways, and the gutterways trying to compel people to come. And since we're already prayed up and we're already looking for opportunities, we realize that every situation is an opportunity, Mm. right? Yeah, you know, one of the biggest obstacles to, I think, freely and effectively sharing the gospel with other people is anxiety. And... Scripture gives us the remedy for that, right? I mean, I mean, if we're all honest with ourselves, anxiety is the predominant emotion that we wrestle with before we go preach the gospel. You mean fear of man and fear of woman. Right, yeah. and it's all tied into that. But I only have two emotions, hungry and sleepy. <laughs> we know. <laughs> uh, you're dopey. Yeah. Dopey. <laughs> but uh, before I was rudely interrupted, um, <laughs> the gospel, or no, that's not what I was saying. Okay, there I was. So, okay, anxiety, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's the predominant struggle we have in the emotion. Well, Scripture gives us a remedy to that, right? Philippians, be anxious for nothing, but for all things by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And so if for nothing else, it's, it's God bringing us to a place of peace so that when we share the gospel, uh, we're not this mess of a person, but we're praying and that's God's remedy for anxiety, you know? And I was texting with a friend recently whose loved one is really ill and he's like, man, what's the point anyway? God is sovereign and, you know, what what are we gonna do? What are our prayers gonna do? Hmm. I said, man, look, if you wanna see an example of persistence in prayer, look at Jesus. First of all, he went out and he, he prayed often. Sometimes he prayed through the night, right? But he would retreat by himself and pray. Have you ever tried that? What? Praying through the night. Yeah. I got to 1.30 a.m. and I ran home to bed. <laughs> That's so And you cute. started at 1.25? <laughs> Not that early, Mark. 1.29. Seriously, I had to take my watch off because I started about 6 o'clock that night. And I was 7 o'clock. Yeah. 8 o'clock. And I thought I got to take my watch off. This is driving me crazy. But yeah, to pray through the night is not yeah. easy. So Jesus did that. And then you have to remember when Jesus was in the garden 
It says he prayed the same words three yeah. times. Lord, let this, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me. Paul the apostle, three times to remove the thorn from the flesh. Look, scripture says you have not because you ask not. And I think there are certain things that God conditions upon us asking. And, and there's a dynamic of communion and intimacy and closeness with him and a, and a, and a, a stronger relationship through that. And so I think that, um, you know, we, we just have to recognize that. I mean, you, you think of even Hezekiah, right? Hezekiah was gonna die. Right. God sends a prophet to him and then Hezekiah lifts up a prayer and then God gives him 15 more years. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Maybe had he not asked, God wouldn't have. You know I mean, again, God's sovereignty is so beyond us. We don't yeah. know how it works, but he tells us pray without ceasing. The scripture tells us to, to pray, you know, earnestly, um, to continue earnestly in prayer, you know, and... Um, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Yep. Absolutely. And so, and if anyone didn't need prayer, it was Jesus. Right. Right. So, man, I, I think we need to really examine our hearts and say, how, how much do we sow in prayer into the proclamation of the gospel? Easy. So, I mean, prayer is a huge thing. You mentioned anxiety uh, and the anxiousness and things can, anything can make us anxious. Saying the wrong thing, of it not going well. Um, we all know that you fail all the time. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> how do you though, with all that anxiousness and with all that prayer, how do you handle failure? You know, honestly, the older I get. You can do this, easy. It's, it's <laughs> all hard. It's the worst. No, really, I, I thought about this recently. The older I, I'm getting, the more I, I feel I'm, I'm able to just accept failure. It, it wasn't, when I was young, a younger believer, it was so difficult. Mm. I think that the, the more I grow, the more I recognize good. I like that. and remember that my, my righteousness comes from Christ. Yeah. But that, you're a perfectionist, and seriously, I'm, I'm not being facetious or anything. Your standards are very high, which makes it very hard on yourself. I oh. fail all the time. I don't know why, <laughs> but I've almost got used to it. But yeah, yeah, it's something that's not easy, but it's something that if you want to achieve something, you've got to get out of the boat. And if you're going to sink sometimes, Jesus takes you by the hand and you move on. Yeah, no, exactly. And then that's what I've grown in in that regard, because you're right, I am a perfectionist. And so I hate to make the smallest mistake in anything. I mean, and I've so seen you stop and pick things up off the floor that most people cannot see. It's a curse. <laughs> I mean, really, like, I, I, I really admire people that don't struggle with perfectionism because it is a burden, you know, and I have, I've grown by God's grace and I do try to fight it. But like I'm saying, I've come to a place where like, there's, there are times when I would preach a message and I, I would say an um in it and I would just be so discouraged. Oh, really? Oh, because that's how I work. My mind, yeah. I want it perfect and smooth and now I, I don't even care anymore. It's yeah. well, I do care. He's used to organize to your trash. And remember that time when you were, <laughs> oh, stop. <laughs> he did. He's not remember that time when you were doing counseling and you had a rug mm. inside your office and there's tassels on the edge of the rug and in the middle of this couple, whatever it is that <laughs> we're pouring the heart out, you got down on your hands and knees and you're straightening the tassels <laughs> on the rug. No, you had to. How do you get tassels? so distracted? And be so crazy. I get a panic attack when I hear the word tassels. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a confession to make because, and you know about this, I don't know if we mentioned it before, but I was having lunch with a guy and I saw a hair on his glasses. Remember that? And I had to straighten that hair. It was just pull it off and it was actually attached to his eyebrow. And so I, I remember stroking it and putting it to bed and just moving on. It was yeah. one of the most embarrassing. I did that with, with a guy's chest hair. And we won't right. talk about that. Yes. <laughs> um, it was sticking out over his shirt. Yes. So I'll just take that away and it was joined to his body. <laughs> I'm like, oh, oops. I didn't know a hair could be so long attached to a chest. Anyway, um, yeah, Mark. No, that that to me was like an eye-opening moment. I'm th I'm like I'm the one that needs to be on the counseling couch right now. But I was counseling a couple, yeah, and I I they were pouring their hearts out, and it's like you know how you wake up from a dream and you're like, what am I? Do how did I get in this room? What am I, <laughs> I like came to as I'm brushing these, and I'm like, mm -hmm, and I'm like. And I look up at them, I go, I'm so sorry. I'm on my knees brushing tassels while you guys are pouring your heart Maybe out. Maybe you always wanted to be a hairdresser or something. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Wow. That's so, no, but, but again, over the years, growing in grace and learning, it's his righteousness. I mean, the imputed righteousness of Christ, that alien righteousness that we've received, that double imputation of, of our sins being imputed to Christ, his righteousness, and his perfect life, mm -hmm. that being credited to our account, like... 
it just changes everything. And then you recognize that there's a quote by Paul Tripp that's so powerful. He says, um, there's nothing that can be uncovered about us that hasn't already been covered by the blood of Christ. That's good. I mean, it's profound. And once you start learning that and you recognize the most important being in the whole universe knows me better than I know myself and has accepted me and loves me. And then you can just be free. It's still a big battle, but, but yeah, by God's grace. So bringing it back to evangelism, we need never strive to perfection or to be perfect before we share the gospel. Think of the woman at the well. She didn't do a six-week training course. Off she went. Same with Legion. He wanted to go and be with Jesus. And Jesus said, no, you've got your family. It's a mess. Go back Mm -hmm. and tell them. Could you imagine you have Legion leaving his family and neighborhood to run around naked up in the hills, uh, cutting yourself, coming back clothed in in your right mind. What Mm -hmm. a testimony that would have been to his neighborhood and to his family. And so... uh, we need to realize that we don't need to strive for perfection. We try and do things best. I mean, strive for excellence, but we're yeah. never going to reach perfection. Amen. Only God's perfect. Yeah, and it's about the Lord, right? Evangelism is an act of worship. It's not for us. It's not how I performed. It's not even about the reaction or the response. Right. You know, it's about being faithful to be conduits through which God proclaims the gospel to the lost. And Ray, I can't, now you got my mind going on a rap. Leaving, legion. Why do you do that? <laughs> All right, guys. Um, <laughs> Uh, so I think we've nailed it, Mark. Do you want to nail it some more? I, I think it's we've droned enough. We've droned, <laughs> droned and droned. Lollygagging. <laughs> That's where we started. That's where we'll end. Friends, thank you so much for joining us for the Living Waters podcast. We want to encourage you to grow in Christ and being his ambassadors. That's why we exist, to inspire and equip Christians and fulfilling the Great Commission. So go to livingwaters.com and find out all the ways that we can do that. Ray mentioned our YouTube channel. In fact, you can find all of our videos on our website, livingwaters.com on the front page that says, watch all our videos, click there and you can see what we have and get inspired. And then just uh, like one pastor once said, just open your mouth as if though it were the bay door of a bomber and drop the gospel bomb and let it do its work because the power is not in our words, it's in the gospel. That's the power of God unto salvation. So God bless you. Thanks for bearing with our insanity. Can't wait till next time. Winners, winners, winners. That's you, friends. Those of you who I'm about to announce are the winners of this week's podcast giveaway on the Living Waters podcast. We've got Carlos from Lamont, California, Daniel from Jamestown, North Carolina, Ed Washburn from Tennessee, David Norwood from North Carolina, Doug Campobello from South Carolina, Ali from Falls Church, Virginia, Adrian from Hattiesburg, Mississippi, Joshua from Excelsior Springs, Missouri, Eva from Bow Island, Canada, and Penelope from Bardwell Park, Australia. Shout out to the Aussies and the Canadians out there. Friends, you can get this too, those of you who are listening. Just share the word and sign up for the Living Waters Podcast.